Welcome to a show that is keeping it 100 and is showcasing how God is working in other people's lives. This is The Real Podcast with Creed Webster, Caleb Shepard, and Michael Dykus. What's going on, guys? My name's Caleb. My name's Michael. My name's Creed. And you're watching The Real. Caught you by surprise, didn't we? Hi. You thought we were going to yell. No, we had noise complaints, so we had to stop doing that. So, uh, <laughs> but we still yeah. start by yelling because it's just what we do. That's how we live life. The boys. That's how we unite. Ooh, that segue, though, to today's topic, my word of the year, unity. Unity. United in loudness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> United yeah. in Christ. Yes, let's go. So, yeah, I chose this word this year because, for one, I'm kind of getting married, which is, you know, kind of like the hey. ultimate act of unity, but it goes much further than that, and we're going to be, you know, talking about marriage in, like, you know, further episodes. Um, so that is not the type of unity we will be talking about, even though it's what inspired me. Hey. Hey, yeah. Let's just look at the word unity. Um, <clears throat> becoming one thing, and that's that's what I like about you guys. Is like we do this thing together, and like I don't I don't know. I just always leave. Like whenever I hang out with you guys, or we do this podcast or whatever. I always leave feeling like one, and it's really cool, bro. Bro hugs. Bro hugs. Yes. But I, I mean that genuinely, though. Like, I always walk away and I'm just like, those guys, like, I feel like one with them. So, love it. Well, you know what word is in community? Unity. Com- community. Common unity. Community. Boom. Boom. All right, Caleb, you want to <laughs> kick us off? We kind of got extra there. but All right, sure. So I'm kind of going to be reading a lot of scripture today because that's kind of what I like to do because I want to make sure what I say is true. And yeah. what is the source of truth? The Bible. Yeah. That's one of the things we need to be united in is knowing that the Bible is the truth, the complete truth, and nothing but the truth. Period. That's, you know, not the thing I'm going to be talking about, but that is very important. We should be united in that truth. All right, so Ephesians 2. I'm going to read 1 through 11 to start off with. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages 
he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, completed, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's one of my favorites. Yes. But God. But God. That's powerful. Every time. That's so the reason why I wanted to pull this up, because it shows that we are united in Christ. Right. That we are no longer one with the world like we once were whenever we were walking in sin, whenever we were walking in disobedience, whenever, you know, before we came to know Christ. Um, but now we are united with Christ and his family. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved and nothing. And nothing, actually. All right. So going on, it kind of shows how, you know, us as a community are called to be one in Christ. So 11 through uh, 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were fall off have been brought together by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and has made us both one and has broken down his flesh in the divided wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through a cross, thereby killing the hostility, and he came and preached peace to you who are fall off, and peace to those who are near. For though him we both have access to one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for, for God by the spirits. Notice how we are made one with God through Jesus, and because of that, we are called to come, come together and, uh, what is the word? Built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As believers, we are called to come together. We are stronger together, and we need to be united by the fact that even if we have nothing else in common, we are united by our trust and desire to know Jesus. Yeah, that kind of, <clears throat> and I'll get to this in a minute, um, kind of brought me to that thought again that I had in my head. Um, 
I have a little bit of Ephesians 4. I love Ephesians. Um, it talks about unity in the body of Christ, and I'm going to read a little bit of that here. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling <coughs> to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with, with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to be, or sorry, just as you called to the one Hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all, through all and all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Notice how many times it says one. A lot. I'm not sure exactly how many, but it, it really emphasizes the one. And I talk to you guys about being one. Like whenever I leave, I feel like one with you guys. Uh, it really emphasizes unity by implying one, one, there's one, this is the one, this is the one. And I think that's really cool. And like that's one thing um, I've really been doing a lot lately is like seeing those like little details of the Bible and those are super important and it really does reflect like obviously like the context and whatnot but like it really reflects what each section is about and um, yeah and even like like it talks about humility gentleness patience and like I, I think of the fruit of the spirit it's all one fruit. Like, you have, like, different parts, but it makes up one fruit. Again, back to the one thing. Huh. I've never thought about it that way. That is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Something that was kind of in my mind as Caleb was reading earlier was... <coughs> The way chapter 2 of Ephesians starts out is describing what we all had in common. It says, we were all dead in our sins, right? And I think that's really important because uh, some people, I'm trying to be careful with, words here, but they may seem a little further gone, I guess, like down the wrong path, right? But the fact of it is, is dead is dead, and it it doesn't matter. And because of that, like, we don't look down on, like, someone from their past because we were all dead, but through Christ, we've been united. I mean, I was talking to your uh, your dad the other day, and I was telling him about that one rapper who was, you know, made that video of him, like, you know, like, 
giving the devil a lap dance. And he kind of brought something up that I like never really thought about was that lost is lost, not knowing uh, God and, you know, not surrendering your life to him. Wields the same results whether, you know, you're a Satan worshiper or you simply just didn't know Christ. It wields the same result. They're no, one is no more lost than the other. They are both, both highly, like, you know, depraved in need of a Savior. Heaven is heaven and hell is hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say hell is hell, and I was just like, okay, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, where, where you were. It's a good way to look at it. And you know, I think that's a really powerful thing. If you come from that background and are able to share your testimony... And I, I always find those messages very powerful and encouraging. Like, we serve a good God. Mm-hmm. A God who wants to be united. Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's humbling and encouraging at the same time. Yes, just knowing that you know that even <clears throat> though that we don't deserve it. You know, we are depraved in need of a Savior. No one is good, not even one. Yet we are still made righteous through the adoption that Christ has handed out through us. And with adoption, you become part of a family. And no matter what we do, we're a part of that family. That's not a, you know, a license to go keep on sinning because if you are joined in with that family and you truly, you know, have a relationship with Christ, you're not going to want to disappoint him. So, you know, if you keep on using that as a license to sin and don't, like, struggle against your sin, I'd argue that you probably don't know Christ, as hard as that would sound. Second week in a row of somebody was listening to the (laughs) sermon today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Josh hit on that pretty good today. Um, so, spark notes of what I'm saying, that's kind of going off. Um, whenever we know Christ and are brought into his family, um, that should lead to a change in us. And if you are simply looking at that as a get-out-of-jail-free card, I would, you know, just... I don't know your heart, so it's not my place to say whether or not you, you know, have authentic faith. I would just, if you are thinking that you can just go on living your life, you know, free of, you know, responsibility or thinking do whatever you want and not taking God's commands and statutes into consideration, reevaluate. Yeah, and like even... <clears throat> Like hearing those words depart from me, I never knew you, even though like that scares me. You did this in his name, you did this in his name, you did this in his name. Like that honestly, like I think about that a lot. And like hearing that today, I was just like like I I know where I stand in my faith, but like I need to be reminded of that. And we all need to be reminded of that. 
and it, it just keeps you in check to make sure that you're you're walking with Christ and you're yes. you're not just you're not just holding on to like your parents' religion or like mm-hmm. your old religion or whatever. You're you're shaking that off and you're chasing after God in faith mm-hmm. through your relationship. That's yeah. interesting. The old man at church that I always talked to, we were just talking about that today. Hey. <laughs> and I'm not saying at all that you can sin your way out of salvation, because I'm not at all. If you're like, if you are struggling with your sin, if you are trying to repent and relying on Christ, sanctification is a process. Keep in the fight, even the sign that you are struggling is a sign that God is calling you. And that, yeah, if you're struggling with your sin, I would, you know, that's actually a good thing that you're feeling that struggle. Yeah, as long as you're not just like, yep, it happened again. Okay, cool, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. if you are purposely, like, like in repentance and you're, you're taking the steps to fall away from that sin or those sins or whatever. Don't beat yourself up. You're you're doing the right thing by taking those steps. So, <clears throat> I am involved in uh, uh, men's Bible study and my Sunday school class. We're both going through Romans at the same time, so I'm getting like a double dose of it. Which is is super interesting. I didn't realize it was what a powerful passage it was. Mm-hmm. But what you were describing earlier, um, using like the "I'm saved" as a get out of jail free card. When we turn to Romans six, it it breaks that down really well. And uh, so I'm just going to read 6-1, It says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it, right? So like you were saying earlier, if that's the way you're living, you know, I would question like are are you saved you know mm-hmm. like do you have a relationship with Jesus yeah and uh then the the struggle part of it which is very real uh go read through Romans 7 and i i guess it's a little controversial as in which perspective Paul is coming from, whether he's coming from him right now, or or like as he was writing, or an unsaved person. Uh, To me, it's, I feel that it's very clear he's describing how he feels in the moment he was writing this. Well, yes, because, you know, Paul himself was an imperfect human. Right, right. And and he... (laughs) I mean, you mean to tell me he's the worst of sinners in his own eyes? What? Yeah. Sorry. So he, he goes through and just really explains a struggle, and it is a struggle. Hmm. And 
You know, I, I think as we mature in our faith, I think we we see just more and more how messed up we are. And, uh, yeah, we just got to turn to Christ and be unified in Him. That's what I think, you know, like, we're talking about this, and we've talked a lot about the importance of community and accountability. We should be united in our fight against our own struggles. You know, this isn't a fight that we're meant to be doing alone. I mean, you guys have both, you know. I've been very open about things that I've struggled with and sins I've struggled with, and, you know, talking to you guys and, you know, going to war against my flesh, not just with me, but also with fellow brothers in Christ, mm. it's a huge help. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, point. being united together to, you know, go against our flesh, to go against the ways of the world, we're, we should be standing together. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> because we want to strive for that, the enemy definitely wants to use our differences as reasons to not. Oh, absolutely. That's that's something that like like you really have to like look out for and it's just like, well, this struggle is different than my struggle and this probably isn't the same and probably isn't as bad as this, but like it's still a struggle. Yeah. And we all have our struggles. And I think that's yeah. And though I do think that there is a point, and I think, you know, this is something that should be talked about, is that Jesus said that he has come to divide. You know, do you, I need to look up which scripture that was so I don't butcher it and do it justice. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you going to look it up? Yeah. Um, but that, that, that is a good point. Uh, to bring up is we are different and <clears throat> that uh, Matthew 10 <clears throat> that is uh, something that if we don't figure out how to be united it is going to bring us apart mm-hmm. right and that's that's any relationship. I I'm sure you have probably experienced that before. You know, you have that group of friends that you used to hang out with all the time. Well, maybe there's a few unbelievers in there, and they kind of they maybe start doing stuff, and you you're not into that. That you don't believe that's the right thing to do. And so you stop hanging out as much and because you don't want to be involved with that and you start growing apart because of your differences. Well, it's no different with Christians and other Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hopefully they're not doing things that, you know, continuing in sinful pattern, unrepented, uh, but there's going to be things that maybe this group of Christians like to go biking, and this one likes to play slow-pitch softball. 
Those are not the differences I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to get through the differences that I think are the non-negotiables. Everything else, there's room. Are you going to steal my thought? I don't know. Do it. Do it. Steal my thought. Say what you're going to say. All right. So first, I just want to, you know, throw kind of a, just say that the fact that we are not called to be united with all things or all false teachings or with, you know, the ways of the world. Because Matthew 10, 34 says this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Um, and then it goes on as talking about whoever loves his father and mother more than me um, will not, you know, doesn't know me. Basically saying that, you know, we should, above everything else, when you love Christ, everything else is secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point I want to make from that is just pointing out the fact that we are not called to be united in all things. Um, I think there are three things that are non-negotiables that we need to be united in as Christians. Um, Number one, I'm getting this uh, point directly from uh, the porch. Shout out. Um, Jesus is the main character of the Bible. I think that we need to uh, know that we are saved in Jesus. Jesus is God. um, And that we are saved through him. And if you understand that fundamental principle that you are saved through Jesus, you're on the right track. Um, The second one thing that we need to be united in as believers is the Bible is truth. This is the Word of God. Um, Just read John 1. And then the third point um, is we should be united as ambassadors for God. Those things, I think, as Christians, those are the building grounds of relationship with each other and with God. Yeah, and um, kind of where I was going, so we're we're tracking there. Um, I was just thinking, as Creed, you were talking about biking differences, biking and <laughs> slow pitch softball. Um, the differences between Christians and other Christians, like, you know, like what doctrines you believe in and like right. theologies right. and like all this stuff. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, which kind of segues onto what you were saying. Like, do we get wrapped up in that being our differences or do we unite on these three things that Caleb just mentioned? To, well, to an extent, like there's like, you know, like, you know, call somebody out if it's like, False, whatever. Yes. But ultimately, are you saved through Jesus Christ? Do you have that faith, um, relying on the truth of His Word? And um, what's the third one again? Uh, the being Bible ambassadors, is truth. and then being ambassadors. <laughs> Sorry, Bible is truth. Being ambassadors. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because through that, I mean, no theology is perfect. I am. You know, I'm starting to grow in my theological IQ. 
Um, and I'm even planning on going to Bible college now. Don't, be, yeah. don't be sorry. Um, what? Did you say you were sorry? No. No. <laughs> I don't think I did. Did he? Um, I don't know. But <laughs> there are many, many people who have devoted their entire lives to understanding this book. And as respected as they were, I'm going to say Spurgeon. He's one of like, you know, the most solid theologians ever. I have a high respect for him. But I would say even Spurgeon probably didn't have perfect theology. Right. There are going to be different interpretations of the Bible. Um, and to a certain extent, and I am not the judge of what that extent is, that's okay. As long as, you know, you're getting your interpretation from Bible and you're not trying to put your own interpretation in the Bible. Yeah. And this is why <clears throat> I love like collaborating with other churches and like doing worship nights because there there comes that unity. Like we may believe different things or have different views on things, but we're all like-minded like spending time in worship, and that's what I love when different bodies come together and just do that. Unity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like we were even saying today, because what I mean is, you know, like, you know, in church today, we were going over uh, Hebrews 6, which is, you know, a very, very controversial things of Scripture. Um, you know, in the study Bible, it lay out four different interpretations of what they were. And no matter what interpretation you fell under, I wouldn't believe that that's a salvation issue. You know, having a different interpretation doesn't mean you're not saved. There's certain lines, you know, whenever you start to, you know, bring in some of those, you know, like false translations of the Bible, like, you know, the Passion Translation, which is basically just false commentary um, and whatnot that... I'm sorry. Um... I always just get, I get on a roll and then I just lose myself. This is like the third week in a row I've done this. Okay, okay, okay. It's just find your truth in the Bible. Don't add to it. It is already the perfect word of God. We do not need to add to it. We do not need to say what God said. He already inspired these men to write it. It is not our job to add to it. <laughs> and honestly, there's plenty of instruction that we're already not doing perfectly, so I don't know why you would want to add to it hmm. and become Ooh. legalistic and yeah, adding, <laughs> adding more rules that yeah. Do you guys ever just like, <clears throat> you read your Bible, like just in your reading time, and what you read, you know, like doesn't necessarily make total sense to you, or you don't necessarily feel that you got anything from it, but you just trust that God is speaking through that somehow? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Light bulb? 
Th- that that was the question. Oh. Like it, you were just talking about like, you know, like not adding, not <coughs> taking away and like not knowing everything. Like that's that's something that like you know, it's not always easy cuz like, you know, like you want to receive something, but it doesn't always work out like that and like that's that's something that I used to get really 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 frustrated about and like I would always feel like I'm doing something wrong just because I didn't understand or like I didn't know enough or whatever. But just falling back and like knowing that this is God's word and just knowing that this is fact and this is truth. Like, you know, like we can pray and like, you know, study and like ask God to like help us understand that. But it starts with just knowing. Like knowing that this is truth and this is God's word and just trusting that. Yeah. Yeah. Bread. Bread. Yeah. So yeah, I just think being united and knowing that the Bible <coughs> is the perfect word of God, knowing that every single page of the Bible points to Jesus. You know, whenever you look at, you know, I mean, some churches like to point out, you know, like the different types of Christ. You know, like, you know, David was a Christ-like or like, you know, a picture of what was to come. Moses, in a lot of ways, was a picture of things to come. My favorite, um, the perfect representation of this to me is the transfiguration you know, whenever they go up on the mountain and, you know, Peter and John, um, Jesus is up there and then Moses and uh, Elijah come down and, you know, I don't know how to picture that (laughs) being, you know, like, I think I'd probably be like Peter and be like, what is going on? And just, I have no idea what to do and just get a bunch of words in my mouth. Like, should we build a temple for you guys or however it went and then you know it just ends up at the end just being Jesus you know proving the deity of Jesus proving that Moses and the law and Elijah all pointed towards Jesus you can prove the deity of Jesus through the Old Testament the Old Testament points to Jesus that's what it means you know the law was meant to show our need for Jesus, um, That's and the prophets, prophets were meant to point towards the coming of Jesus. So whenever it says the law and prophets were fulfilled through Jesus, that's because it was the completed work. What God started with them was completed in Jesus. Yeah. We talked about that today. And I, I think I read... Yeah, the other day I was reading about that too, actually. It's always funny how like something just always reoccurs and it's just like that's just more confirmation of like how good God's word is. There's just like constant confirmation. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find where Jesus said uh he didn't come to bring a new law, he came to fulfill it. Fulfill the law? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just where... It's just so amazing. You know, how many 
prophecies, how many passages of the Old Testament that these authors most likely would have had no way of knowing what the other person wrote, lined up perfectly and were fulfilled through the life of Christ. You know, there is no denying Christ existed. You know, there is many, many historical uh, things. You know, saying that Jesus didn't exist is like saying George Washington didn't exist. It's going to be asinine mm-hmm. if you say George Washington didn't exist. Um, yeah. What changes is what you believe about Jesus. That will dramatically change the direction of your eternity. Not just life, your eternity. Right. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, like we have to, like this is something we have to be united in that mm-hmm. Jesus was the Son of God, that he died and rose on the third day. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and what? And what? Exactly. He's coming back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, a, that's another. Oh, yeah. That's another good one. <laughs> yeah. I may have added my and and what. And what? Then. Tell us more. We're saved by Jesus through faith, by grace, for, not by, for works. Yeah. We can't do anything to deserve it. Yeah, just think about it. Think about the flaws to a work-based salvation. That is, by some way, saying by your merits, by your abilities, that you can outdo Jesus, that his death wasn't enough, that his sacrifice wasn't sufficient, that his blood couldn't wash you clean. Guess what? Jesus is enough. Let's go. And honestly, it's pretty arrogant to think uh, Jesus wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the Son of God mm-hmm. who lived a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sins. You tell me that's not enough? That's more than enough. And even before, like, being ripped apart and mocked and spit on. Mm-hmm. Like, what more do you need? Like, and why why is that not enough? Like, and, Yeah. And that just shows how much you're worth, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, another... I got this from the porch, but they talk about shout out <laughs> shout out to the porch. <laughs> but they talk about like our worth, like a simple economic uh, thing, uh, is what gives something its value. Well, it's how much someone is willing to pay. Ooh! Oh my Ooh! gosh! And guess what? She. Sheesh. God was willing to pay Jesus Christ His for us. Only begotten Son. Wow. Just wow. And yeah, that is valuable because you often 
and this there's like two kind of sides to defense. One side, you know, being like everyone is good, you know, we're inherently good and whatnot. And then the other side saying, We are depraved, we're just old wretched sinners. Whenever you are saying that you're not good, that's saying that, all right, there's nothing I can do to deserve the love of God, yet he gave it anyways. But once you are adopted into his family, you're a king's kid. You are a fellow heir in Christ. You are beloved and valued by God. And those two sides can unite. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like, you can be like, I can't do anything to deserve this, and I don't, but this side. And it's mm-hmm. just like, everything united. Everything good about me, everything good I've done is because of Jesus. Yes. Period. Yeah. And oh. I think that's where, you know... You shouldn't be trapped in your old identity of before you knew Christ. You need to come into, you know, your inheritance of being washed clean through the righteousness righteousness of Jesus. I have something to add here. Creed has something to add. Romans 7.24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I thought I had something. Maybe I don't. I wrote a side note somewhere in my Bible today. That was to add on the point you guys were making earlier about how you, we have the, those two sides of thinking and yeah. how they come, how it comes together. I just think, you know, we shouldn't always be wrapped, like acknowledging the fact that, yes, we are sinners and that we are saved because of the love that God has for us, not because of our own abilities. But we also need to recognize the fact that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we are adopted into his family, and that he loves us. And that is how and we... And not to run rings so no one can boast. Yeah. Neat. <laughs> yeah. We go into that too for <laughs> some time. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's all I got. So y'all boys have anything else? <laughs> That's a no, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I don't really know. Just silence. No, we all united in silence right there. All uni- One, hey. two, three, hush puppies. I don't think I don't think the listeners <laughs> probably know. <laughs> all, right. all right. So on this episode of The Real, we are going to whisper and do an ASMR and then play a game of hush puppies. And your job is <laughs> spend time in prayer and reflection. watching and as always it has been real
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on social media and find out how God is working in your life. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The R-E-E-L Podcast. Plus, we're available wherever you get your podcasts, from Apple Podcasts to Google to Spotify. Just check us out. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We also have a video format that we upload straight to our YouTube channel each week. We can't wait for the next episode, so be sure to check us out next week when we bring you more stories about how God is working in other people's lives. 